Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Soleil Ho, the restaurant critic for the San Francisco Chronicle and the host of the Chronicle's new food podcast, Extra Spicy. And now, here's our first letter. Would you read our first letter? Yes. The subject is dress-only dress code. Dear Prudence, my mother and I planned a trip to visit my brother and his family this summer. He said that due to his religious beliefs, we would need to wear dresses only in his home, no pants. I hate dresses, and when it's 90 degrees outside, forget it. I haven't seen my niece in a few years and would love to spend time with her. My mom and I could stay at a hotel and meet with my brother's family during the day, but quality time is the whole point of the trip. I think my brother is being unreasonable and a little close-minded. He suggested that wearing pants would give the wrong idea to my niece. Of course, we resent the implication that we would be bad influences, Should we just stay with my brother and follow his dress code? Should I try to sway him or just respect his rules and stay elsewhere or stay at home and not go? So my first question here had nothing to do with the dress code and everything to do with, is it a good idea to travel to visit your brother this summer, given that there's still not a vaccine for coronavirus? Right. Yeah. I almost wonder if this was a question written before all of this, but I doubt that. You know, that is a really big consideration. And I would think that pants, skirts or whatever would be less of a priority than maybe not even looking, not even being in the same room necessarily as someone else. Yeah. I I just, I worry that that was not even mentioned in this letter. I like, I went and I double checked on the CDC website to see if like there was some sort of like travel recommendation that I had missed. And they're still saying in bold, staying home is the best way to protect yourselves and others from getting sick. You can get infected while traveling. You should check and see what the rates are like in the area that you're traveling to. What kind of travel, like, is this a, is this a multi-day road trip? Are you contemplating getting on a plane? Like there's just so many questions about possible risk and exposure that I, I almost feel like the dress thing, it, it's not a red herring, obviously. It's its a its a real question. I just, I, I worry that you're getting ahead of yourselves. And I wonder, have you really looked at like the exposure rates in the place that you're traveling to? Do you have a sense of how on earth you would make this visit while also adhering to appropriate social distancing, which still means like covering your face and avoiding close contact and keeping six feet of physical distance from others? Are you going to be able to do that with what sounds like a four or five-year-old niece. Right. And I, I keep thinking about that sentence, right? Quality time is the whole point of the trip. And if that's the whole point of the trip, maybe don't make the trip right now. Yeah, especially if like if you're considering staying in a hotel where, again, so much of the like noise about reopening lately has had to do with companies not wanting to pay for unemployment and, and wanting to force uh, workers to risk their, their, their health so that they don't have to, you know, pay 
but yeah, like I, I think about like you would potentially be putting people at the hotel at risk if you were um, like staying in a hotel and then going out to visit your brother and and his family. And I just, it doesn't seem like they're giving that any thought. And that worries me more than the clothing thing. Does that strike you as, am I, am I overreacting to this? Do you, do you feel the same level of concern? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, personally also as someone who would love to visit her family and is not, um, because of those same considerations, you know, I would love to see my niece, but I just can't bring myself to do that because of all of the sort of collateral issues that you're bringing up. I think that that is, hugely important. And at this point, you know, the alternatives seem like they kind of allied the question of pants versus dresses, honestly. Right. You can maybe save your energy for that battle in a year or two, right? Right. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're even on a Zoom call, right? You don't even have to wear anything underneath your shirt, you know? I was just going to say, well, if it's a video Zoom call, you probably should. But I see what you, I see your point. Like you can definitely arrange a Zoom call such that they can only see you from waist or shoulders up. <laughs> I'm also like imagining this like very, uh, this uh, sort of like socially distant interaction where you are like Wilson from Home Improvement and you're just like talking to someone from like behind a, a fence. Yeah. Is that like so esoteric? I'm sorry. But like no, then, no, no, then, no. then you don't see. It was a very popular show in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like uh, there are other ways you can have that that quality time that is safe during a pandemic that wouldn't, you know, necessarily mean that you have to wear a dress. But I think that broader point that the writer makes about being kind of cast as a bad influence, right, by by their brother is, that's really important, though. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not trying to make a call about any kind of travel that anyone might be faced with this summer, but it sounds like this is a trip where you have not yet invested money into going. So it's something that you could still get out of without like a painful financial blow. Um, it would be more safe for you and everyone else involved to postpone this. And it gives you the added benefit of, you know, gives you a little time to to kick that can down the road. And I think you should take it. So I think what you should do is not like, kind of in a fit of peak, say like, well, we won't even go. I think you should have a serious conversation with your mother and your brother. You should look at the statistics. You should look at what the CDC is recommending. You should consult with your doctors. And I think you should decide to to put this trip off um, until, you know, rates are lower, infections are lower, deaths are lower. There's more of a vaccine, something, something. Um, and then worry about the dress issue. You know, write me back later. <laughs> We're just not going to answer the dress thing is, is what's going on. Wait yeah. me back later. Don't go on this trip. And I think not going would also buy them some time to have that conversation in a less harried sort of way too. And they could have it slower. Yeah, absolutely. And I would be prepared to talk over the the various pros and cons of either going along to get along, compromising, not compromising. I'm happy to answer that question, but not today. <laughs> So, um, okay, that is, I think, one of the first times where I've refused to answer somebody's direct question. It feels kind of exciting. I feel a little uh, unpredictable, and um, I'm excited to see where this devil-may-care attitude leads me next. I'm kind of excited about the next problem because it's a lot more sort of like open-ended and I don't have a really definitive like just dump someone um, answer. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious to kind of wriggle into this one. Would you read it? Yes. I love this question. 
And the subject is crush gone too far. Dear Prudence, I want to preface this by noting that I'm aware of how ridiculous the situation is. Recently, I developed a, quote, crush on a celebrity. Furthermore, this crush is focused specifically on a younger version of this person, so I would need a time machine to even be able to act on this crush. This feels way more intense than any other celebrity crushes I've had in the past. I'm trying not to call it obsessive because I'm not delusional or interested in trying to contact them, but it's intrusive. I think about them constantly and spend a lot of time each day reading up about them. Rationally, I know I'm not in love because we don't know each other, but I feel in love with this idea that I have of them. Knowing that acting on these feelings is quite literally impossible makes me incredibly sad, like heartbroken. It's frustrating, and I'm also in a long-term relationship, so it's obviously negatively impacting my feelings towards my partner. I've never experienced anything like this before, and I'm honestly freaked out. I've tried finding things about this person that annoy me or turn me off. It has had the opposite effect so far, and I'm not sure what else to do. I almost feel like a teenager, but I didn't really approach this level of intensity even with teenage crushes. There are people that I've actually dated I didn't feel this strongly about. It's making me seriously question my sanity. Oh, man. Talk to me. Yeah, talk to me about what you loved about this letter. I, I There are some things in here that I really love too, and I think they mostly have to do with like, robust self-awareness. Um, but I want to hear more about what you liked here. Oh my gosh. So I just, I can relate, of course, right, to the unattainable crush. And like the reasons why we do these are often more about us than about whatever that person or, you know, object or fictional creature is, you know, it is a lot to do with like, it's safety, you know, um, especially, especially that line about it being the younger version of this person, making it extremely impossible. You can't just show up at their mansion in the Hollywood Hills and like to swim in their pool. You know, um, that person is a very distinctly gone entity. Yeah. And to me, that is like, oh, well, this is, this is a safe bet. This is a safe repository for your fantasy. And like, that's, I can relate as, as someone who grew up being really into anime. Like I get it. Yeah. I think. This this does not seem like it's currently at the level of like I'm having a difficult time distinguishing between fantasy and reality or I'm having a hard time functioning. It has risen to the level of like I find it distressing and it's maybe highlighting ways in which I'm not quite satisfied in my personal life that might be useful to address. But I, I think it's important context to be like, you, you know, the letter writer, you sound totally in touch with reality. You don't sound like you're abandoning like your real life friends or pursuits in order to focus on this particular celebrity. So let's let's just start, I think, by like you can dial back your self-recrimination, I think, a little bit. Like I, I, I just I get the feeling that this letter writer is really upset with themselves. And, you know, I don't want to say like, no, 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 just think of this as a great thing. You don't have to at all. But um Give yourself credit, I think, for the fact that uh, you're, you're you're handling the fact that you're having a really overwhelming feeling in a way that makes a lot of sense to me. Overwhelming feelings are weird and hard to know how to categorize. Yes. And also the context is important in my mind because I want this person to know that they're not alone. You know, there are so many people who have had these feelings about even more unattainable kind of objects of affection. And you know, they're not sick and they're not, you know, um, they haven't ruined their lives or anything like that. It is just part of their sort of fantasy world, which we are all entitled to. And, you know, this 
this doesn't make you a freak. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I'm curious about without going too far into the realm of like, obviously, you feel this way because there's some deep unaddressed need in your own self that you have to pay attention to. But I would say like my first piece of advice is respond to this feeling in yourself with neutral curiosity. Like go on a sort of like fact finding mission where your goal is simply to learn more, not to deliver judgment on yourself. And so that might mean talking it over sometime with a therapist. That might mean talking about it with a friend that you trust. And again, you don't have to like reveal every single detail immediately if it feels too embarrassing or too revealing. I think there's absolutely ways that you can have a conversation with a friend that's sort of generally along the lines of, I have found myself like retreating more and more into fantasy lately to such an extent that it makes it a little hard for me to appreciate my own relationship. And I'm kind of struggling with that. And you can talk about that without going into specifics. You can journal, you can write some of this down, but like, I'm genuinely curious. Like you say that you're in love with this idea of this younger version of a celebrity. What are the qualities? Are they physical? Are they emotional? Are they having to do with some idea of some sort of type of personality, some type of life? Like, I I don't want to bring too much to bear of my own life into this, but I think about like the time in my life when I felt the most kind of in retreat from real life and sort of like mentally squirreling myself away with a couple of fictional ideas of other people was right before I started speaking honestly about my desire to transition. Again, not you must secretly be trans, but like what was going on for me was that I was working overtime to not acknowledge the part of me that wanted to change my life on some of its most fundamental terms. And had I, you know, in the business of asking some of those questions of like, what is this doing for me? You know, I, I was able to kind of get to, it helps me work out feelings and thoughts about my body and about my gender. Oh, there's other things that I can also do with that. Yeah. I think in a way it's, it's almost like a dream, you know, not, I don't mean that in like a diminishing way, but you know, a dream is a way for your brain to kind of work out a lot of the dangling strands of your consciousness. And I think projection is is another way, you know. Um, I think this is very much a projection and it is an illusion, but I think it is a truth that is trying to express itself through these feelings. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that like anything you feel about this celebrity is something you have to now go do in your own personal life. Um, right. But it's worth like investigating. Like, what do I get out of this? What are the attributes that I'm admiring? Are they things that I would want in a partner? Are they things that I would want in myself? Are there ways that I could get some of these things? And again, I don't say that as like you find out those things and you go pursue them in your personal life and then you get them and then the feelings disappear and then you will have solved it as if like it, it, that would be no more the case than saying like if you figure out and solve your dreams, you'll stop having dreams. I, I just want you to take this as an opportunity to do some reflecting and you know, you say that like – um, Obviously, this is negatively impacting my feelings towards my partner. And I would just say, rather than thinking of this as like, these are feelings that fell out of the sky on top of my head. I don't know where they came from. They're external to me. But this meteor of feelings about the celebrity struck me. And now it's ruining my relationship. Again, I can really, especially for like the portions of my life that were like, had the most to do with closetedness. I often experienced my own desires as this alien external force of like, well, I don't know where that came from and I don't really want this. I just have to want this and that's too bad. And and so I think it's really worth asking like, 
Does it negatively affect my relationship because there's something in my relationship that's not working? Like, you know, it's it's really true that these are your feelings. It doesn't mean you have to act on them or or make every decision based on them. But if you're having feelings that negatively impact your relationship with your partner and you haven't given us any details about that, what that relationship looks like, I can't say necessarily like, oh, no, you should fix this so you can reconnect with your partner or you should focus on these problems because it means you two should break up. But like really ask yourself what's missing in this relationship? Are there opportunities for connection that I recoil from because I'm terrified of looking too closely at something? Are there ways in which I withhold information from myself because as long as I don't know the things I don't know, I don't have to worry about what I would do with it, you know? Yeah. And and maybe this is this may, might not be an option. I don't know how much this per- person's partner knows about this or anything like that or if they've had conversations about this. But I certainly know many couples and many people in relationships where they have this sort of like object of fantasy that they act out, you know, um, in their sex life or whatever. And it doesn't negatively impact the relationship necessarily, you know. Um, I don't know if that's an option or if that conversation is comfortable or it doesn't sound like it's quite comfortable yet. But just throwing that out there, you know, I've I've certainly heard of many people in who are my friends or people who I've known who have played dress up or whatever um, for their partners, not because they liked it themselves, but they just wanted to, you know, please their partner and were totally happy to do it. Yeah. I mean, to me, the thing that just feels really the most telling part of this letter is knowing that acting on these feelings is quite literally impossible makes me incredibly sad, like heartbroken. That to me feels like the key. And I I don't want to reduce this to obviously the celebrity crush is covering up or standing in for something else. And once you find out what that thing is, you'll go do it and then you'll be happy and self-accepting and well-adjusted forever. But the, the real truth here, beyond simply right now you're fixated on a version of a celebrity there's there's some degree to which you are a little bit alienated from the source of your own feelings and desires, but you believe that acting upon them in any way is impossible and that breaks your heart. And that says to me that there's something going on that has to do with possibly your identity, possibly your relationship, possibly the way that you present yourself to the world is, is there's something that's like cracking open a little bit. And I don't know what it is. And again, I'm, I really want to stress I'm comparing it to my transition because that's the thing in my life that resembled this the most. But that could be describing lots of different kinds of emotional realities and does not have to have anything to do with gender. It might, but it doesn't have to. Um, and that's the thing that you can share with a therapist. That's the thing you can share in your journal. That's the thing you can share with a friend or your partner is like, I'm experiencing distress over the impossibility of desire, which is also just the human condition, right? Um, and, um, I want to connect with other people and I want to feel less isolated about it. And I'm also afraid of being judged. All of those are things that you can say to people without saying like, here's every time I've obsessively Googled this person's name, please judge and shame me. You don't have to open yourself up to that kind of scrutiny if that feels too revealing, but you absolutely can communicate the basic truths here, I think. And you should. Yeah. And I'm so you know, as an aside, I'm so curious about who the celebrity is. I have a theory. Okay. Because again, everything is just like me. And so my theory is like, <laughs> oh, is this like, you know, 21-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio when he looked beautiful and androgynous? And is this a gender thing? Oh, I was thinking Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, the guy, the best friend from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
Or is it is it Alan Rickman? I think he like the guy who played Snape. Oh no, Alan Rickman. Of course, no, no, no. The the bad guy from um the Die Hard movie and um, Sense and Sensibility and Alan Rickman, who tragically died a couple of years ago. Yes, I was thinking of Alan Ruck. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I think right. Um, because because I've heard again, this person is not alone. But there are a lot of people who are very into Alan Rickman and like want to marry him or like the idea of him, mm-hmm. and or or they want to marry him specifically as Severus Snape, the uh, the evil wizard teacher in Harry Potter. Um, gotcha. You know, like this is. I think our minds and our hearts kind of like crave this kind of excitement sometimes too i have recently tried to talk a couple of letter writers out of spending so much of their uh sort of like emotional life in the harry potter universe so maybe i can throw this one on the pile too (laughs) well good luck letter writer yeah yeah i mean i don't know i'm all for fantasy and i'm all for identifying moments where it feels like your investment in a brand or a celebrity or a fictional person is getting in the way of your making connections with people in your real life um and and i think it's possible to balance both and i wish you the best that's our mini episode of dear prudence for this week our producer is phil circus our theme music was composed by robin hilton as always if you want me to answer your question call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR that's 3327 and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show you don't have to use your real name or location and at your request we can even alter the sound of your voice keep it short 30 seconds a minute tops thanks for listening 